Hello and welcome to another episode of Shattered Lives, the Irish Daily Star's crime podcast. I'm Michael O'Toole, the paper's crime reporter, and joining me now is our chief reporter, Paul Healy. Hello, Paul. Hello again, Mick. So we're going to talk uh, later on in this pod about a list that I've come up with, and we're going to have a good argument about it, about who the winners and losers are in the whole thing about the, the, the Regency Airport Hotel murder trial. I have an idea who I think some of the winners and some of the losers are, but others might be up for debate. But first, we want to talk about, uh, you'll all probably know by this stage that Paul broke a fantastic story late last week about a senior investigator in the Garda Síochána Ombudsman Commission. And just kind of for any avoidance, because I did see some confusion about this, GSOC are not part of the Garda Síochána. They're an independent body, they're civilians, and they're not guardies. So we just want, want to clear that up because, look, to be fair, it is quite complicated. Crime reporters know, but I think Joe and Josephine Public in, in the street probably wouldn't have that level of knowledge. So when we talk about GSOC, we're talking about a body that investigates complaints made about serving guardie. And they're they're independent, but they're not guardie. There are some former law enforcement people, uh, but they're mostly, in fact, I think they all are at this stage, people who were in foreign police forces. I think when GSOC started, some retired guardie did join, but I think they're mostly all gone. There may be, may be one or two left, but it's it's mostly ex-law enforcement from, from overseas. So uh, Paul's story is one of those few stories every year that really exploded and it went from uh, crime to politics and everywhere. So it's a mega story. So congrats, Paul, on this. And we just want to dig down into what we know and what happened. So, Paul, the floor is yours. Thanks, Mick. Yeah, I think we have a bit more freedom here to kind of explain the background to this and just maybe people might be curious or maybe they won't be, but I'm going to talk about it anyway, about um, maybe how you might get a story like this. Um, like, I'm I'm now in the Irish Daily Star eight years this year, and uh, these are the, the types of stories that come around once every couple of years and you stop you in your tracks and you kind of go okay this is actually an important story that's uh i've just been told something that uh <laughs> is actually uh is actually quite newsworthy and, and is uh, and um how long do i now sit on it was the first <laughs> scary thought uh well first thought was is was it true but look it came from uh, a source that i trusted uh and and uh, has never been wrong so uh I certainly, it stopped me in my tracks. That's something I keep saying. It stopped me in my tracks um, when I was told it. So the information was that this uh, senior investigator with GSOC um, had attended a party uh, for Jerry Hutch with Jerry Hutch uh, last Monday um, at the home he's residing in in North Dublin. Um, so <laughs> even that uh, kind of got me a little bit startled because I thought it was rather extraordinary that Jerry Hutch would have a party uh with okay I, I imagine maybe his immediate family m- might have made sense but i was surprised to learn um that neighbors uh and people in the general vicinity were invited into the home <laughs> on the monday evening after jerry hutch sensationally walked free from the special criminal court and um, was found not guilty of the murder of david byrne um but then the, obviously the second extraordinary aspect of that is that this man a senior investigator with the garda ombudsman commission uh attended this party uh allegedly um, but my information is that this officer confided in a colleague that he had attended this gathering and he was then notified uh, soon after that this would have to be investigated, that he would be facing suspension in relation to that. Uh, he then subsequently resigned uh, from his job. Um, I understand that he's been with GSOC for, for a good number of years. Prior to that, he was a police officer. Uh, but not a member of Angarda Shiakana. He was a police officer in another country. Um, and I, I think has over 40 years worth of experience. So my understanding is that he actually was on the precipice of retirement anyway, uh, and that he had told colleagues prior to this uh, scandal, let's call it that, um, that he was planning on retiring anyway, and that he was going to go home to his home country in the coming weeks. So his retirement is something he was planning anyway. And uh, when this emerged, when this allegation emerged, he attended this party, he decided to retire there and then. Uh, fast forward now to Monday, the developments that we've now published uh, in today's Star and Mirror is that this officer now 
they believe or they fear that he has already left the country or he's well on his way to leaving the country. And because he's retired, so there is an internal investigation that's been launched by GSOC, but he's under no obligation whatsoever to engage with that probe. Um, and he does not uh, have to agree to be questioned. If he was still in the job, he would have been suspended. He would have been subject to questioning and possible discipline uh, were this allegation 100% true. Um, but now that he is suspended, or sorry, now that he is retired, uh, he doesn't have to engage with that probe at all. There has been widespread criticism uh, and commentary over the weekend. This, uh, As you said, Mick, this is one of those stories that's just blown up completely. The Minister for Justice has weighed in. Uh, the Garda, uh, both Garda rep bodies, the GRA and AGSI have weighed in on this. And there have been calls for potentially uh, on Garda Siakana to investigate this or for an external independent body to investigate this because people have asked uh, maybe a legitimate question as to is it fair for GSOC to investigate itself in this matter um, and there are serious questions to be asked um, I'm going on a bit but the other big issue here is that this officer was involved in a very high profile investigation himself which is the investigation into the death of detective superintendent uh, Colin Fox um, and and Detective Superintendent Colin Fox died uh, in Ballymont Garda Station in very tragic uh, personal circumstances uh, in 2019. And that is the subject of an investigation, his death and the events surrounding it. He was the lead investigator into the Regency Hotel murder itself, the murder of David Byrne. And pe <clears throat> people might recall uh, that Patrick Hutch Jr. was on trial in 2019, accused of the murder of David Byrne. And as a result of um, Detective Superintendent uh, Colin Fox's uh, very tragic passing, that trial collapsed and Anal Prosecchi was entered and, and Patrick Hutch walked free. So it was a huge moment uh, at the time. And obviously, uh, if all of these allegations are true, uh, it is being deemed to be a massive conflict of interest for this officer who was investigating the Regency Hotel murder uh, to be then attending a party with the very man who was accused of that murder, Jerry Hutch, albeit he was acquitted. Um, still for, for him to be potentially in his company and to be celebrating um, his release from prison and his uh, not guilty verdict is, is deemed to be a potential massive conflict of interest. And we don't, we, we still don't know. And for me, it's, it's quite irrelevant because for me, the story is that this man told at least one colleague he was at the party. Okay. I cannot get my head around why he did that. If he did go to the party, okay, mistakes happened. And you'd think that, uh, you know, with uh, more than 40 years experience in law enforcement, his spider senses would be telling him that going to the party wasn't the smartest thing. OK, so you've got so there, you have to separate that from him attending the party if it did happen. We still don't know. I mean, that's that's just the way it is, because the, 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 it's not it's what he said, which is the important thing. And he told now you used the word confided. Was it confided or was it boasting? Uh, that I don't know, but uh, you know the fact that, that he uh, stated it um, certainly implies uh, that that it was an, an acknowledgement or admission uh, that he did attend. And I have separately corroborated that there was indeed a gathering. There was a party at Jerry Hutch's house. It did happen. Uh, Neighbours and friends and family were invited to the house. And we have learned that independently of this allegation by the officer that he attended said party. So. Um, that party did happen. If you attend it, that's fine. That's yeah. one thing. But why tell people about it? Mm. I mean, I cannot get my head around that. Yeah. Neither can I. Yeah, yeah. I, and I don't have the answer as to why that is. Um, yeah, it's, it seems extraordinary, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it, it you know, it, it, it reminds me of, a, on a much smaller level, uh, somebody I know <laughs> was in, in, in work experience in a newspaper 20, more than 20 years ago. And he he looked at somebody's files, okay? I mean, he shouldn't have, but young journalists, we're all the same, right? And he he did it, and that's grand. But then he told somebody that he did it. <laughs> and that was the, you know, so that was the end of him there. So, you know, I mean, I, I still, I'll, I'll never understand why that fella, this GSOC person, told somebody else because there was a significant reaction almost immediately. It's fair to say that the person he told raised concerns yeah. immediately. So that person saw the what the hell is this all about moment. Indeed. Um, and I mean, there are huge questions there. I mean, uh, this officer had access to the entire Regency uh, investigation. They had a file on that. 
um, would have met with and dealt with very high level uh, people and and sensitive issues. Um, he met with the Byrne family, uh, the, the the parents of the victim David Byrne, on numerous occasions. I'm told. Um, so there's huge questions there, and every interaction that he's had now and everything that he's dealt with will have to be looked at as part of this internal probe. Um, uh, my understanding is that this is information coming from from elsewhere, but uh, and and take it with the grain of salt that perhaps it should be taken. Uh, because maybe this seems obvious, but I am told that uh, as far as Jerry Hutch is concerned, he has claimed that he doesn't know this man, uh, that he doesn't know him personally. Uh, and the claim is uh, that neighbors were invited in and that this investigator was renting a room uh, with a neighbor uh, that lives on the very street that Jerry Hutch is residing on and that he was invited as a result of that Uh and it was just a coincidence uh, that he happened to be a GSOC investigator and Jerry Hutch is claiming not to know him personally at all. I would agree with that. I, I heard something similar over the weekend that the, the the Hutches were or the people close to Jerry Hutch, shall we say, were sort of nonplussed by it. But that again, that's it's 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 not about that. It's about this investigator going into GSOC yes. and saying, hey, lads, I was at a party. And he should have known yeah, better. Yeah, he, he should have known better. So yeah. that is the ten- central issue of this story for me. Um, where do you think we're going to go with this? I think it's possibly going to... I think it's probably going to go nowhere because this this officer is potentially leaving the country and they can only take the probe to a certain point. Uh, if he's not there, it, it, it's not going to go anywhere in terms of an internal investigation. And now unless the political calls get louder... And someone says it's not good enough, and then there's an independent investigation of some kind, or a criminal investigation. If there is any evidence of any criminal wrongdoing, then Angarishi Akana get involved. Um, but at the moment, they don't they don't have any power to act on this at all. So I, I don't know. I don't see it really. I, I know it's blown up, and people have got outraged, and rightfully so. But I think it possibly that might be, and maybe I'll, I'll be wrong on this, uh, but uh, might be it might go nowhere. <laughs> You know? Well, I, th- I think there's a couple of ramifications. You mentioned one that he had access to the Regency Airport hotel attack. But I think it's fair to say if you're an, a senior investigator in GSOC, you would have access to a lot of personal data of Gardy here under investigation. And speaking to, you know, people people did, a lot of guards did contact me mm. asking who he was because <laughs> that told me that, that they were wondering, has this the fellow who's been investigating me? So, I think the concerns of Gardy who are under the microscope from GSOC and surely are, are, are very, very valid. And surely at the very least, you know, it's remember all this stuff about the illegal argument, the, 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 the fruit of the poison tree. Just say this man, you know, led a criminal investigation in the other Gardy and sent files to the DPP. I think they're at risk now. Yeah. I mean, they have to be at risk. That's you know, a good point. On a, on a technicality, yeah. but if this man was consorting with the Hutches as he claimed then that's really really serious and you know it just it, it's, it opens the door of doubt yeah sorry I when I say I feel it, it might go nowhere I, I think it might go nowhere in terms of anything happening with him um, but yeah there are huge ramifications potentially for uh, what he might have been investigating and 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 rightful concerns from the Gardaí uh, on how GSOC operates and perhaps yeah um, as a result of their internal investigation, um, they they may look at how they operate and how they hire people and the types of persons that they work with. Yeah, there could be huge ramifications in regards to that. Yeah, but I think this is a hammer blow to GSOC. Its reputation has suffered monumentally because of this. And that fella, you know, he may walk off into the sunset. But the and I know what you're saying about the political aspect, but the reputational consequences for GSOC. I'm not saying they're fatal, but this is a serious hammer blow to the reputation. And 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 you know, by without editorializing for a minute, you know, GSOC investigate the guards. Surely there has to be a mechanism that GSOC can be investigated rather than internally, just even for public confidence in GSOC. And there are calls for that already, you know, an independent um, investigation. But there have to be I know maybe it's a circular thing like those that meme of of Spider Man all the Spider Men can after each other, but surely there has to be a way that yeah. some external agency now for me it has to be the guards because they're the investigators yeah. in this country can investigate this incident because it's a, the public interest 
public confidence in GSOC has to be protected. But there, yes, but there has to be. The guards can't get involved unless they have some suspicion of of criminal wrongdoing. Is it is is it criminal to attend a party? No, I wonder about that. I wonder could the, the justice minister ask Guardia to investigate? I wondered, is there a mechanism for that? I know that they're under the Garda Act, which set up GSOC. The, the commissioner, the, the minister of the day can ask to see any Garda file. And I wonder, can he, in the public interest or whatever, can he ask? Because we know that, you know, guards, ministers do ask previously. You know, I, I wonder, if that, is that beyond the realms of possibility that the minister Harris will say, right, listen, we need, we need the guards to investigate this. This is very serious. Well, that's, you know, I, it's interesting. I, I, am, I am told that well before uh, we broke this story on Friday, um, I'm, I'm, I think a couple of days beforehand, the guards were at a, at a senior level, at management level, were aware of this. I believe that the Garda commissioner was informed about it. Um, so they knew about it uh, for, for some time before uh, I learned about it and we broke the story. So, I mean... Uh, as I said, the commissioner, I understand, was aware of this days prior. Um, but I still think their hands are tied until someone makes a complaint or someone, as you said, maybe the minister orders them to commence an investigation. Yeah, who knows? But I I, I, I don't think it's gone. I think there's still legs in this story politically, security wise and everything. But can we just, uh, so it's a fantastic story, Paul. Thank um, you, Mick. I want, want to talk to you about one thing. And this this pod is good because... You know, I think we sometimes give context and we show what it's like to be involved in journalism and stuff. And it, it, you made a very valid point. Stories like this, you know, we're job and hacks, and you sort of it. It's almost just like it's almost like playing the lottery. You do your scratch card, and you you know you do your mm-hmm. scratch card every week, yeah. or you play your card every week, and sometimes you hit big, right? Because you know, you get stories all the time, and they're good stories, but occasionally stories like this come along which yeah. go off the Richter scale. Yeah, I think that's fair. Right. As I said, once every couple of years, if ever, <laughs> yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Now, it would be different, say, for Paul Cars, who, you know, get stories that dominate the agenda, principally, I think, because they're fed them and they're leaked them. <laughs> right. So, um, and, you know, and that, that leads the agenda. Okay, but this is this is different. This is digging mm. for stuff and yeah. developing your sources yeah. where you get stuff, right? God, the Paul Cars are going to kill me again. But anyway, anyway, so I want to know, talk to me about what it was like for you in this particular instance between confirming it and it appearing we you, you, you broke it online because I think there was a fear that it was going to appear somewhere because it was, it was starting to leak out which always happens right so so there were a couple of hours between you having it and it appearing on the mirror website and it exploding yeah what was that like for you just to be clear I wasn't sure that it had leaked out but I did fear as the hours went by and as I continued to make inquiries, that it was perhaps inevitable, given the gravity of it, that someone would whisper in someone else's ear, Jesus, did you hear? Because it is one of those. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, I mean, I had it from early on on Friday. And uh, as I said, um, the source that gave it to me, I trust and has always been 100% correct. I'm very fortunate that that person, and thank you to them for speaking to me. I'm very fortunate that they entrusted this is a time to use me. pronouns, isn't it? <laughs> I, try, I always say this. Yeah, use I gotta be careful. No yeah, yeah. I look, uh, we have to protect our sources, and uh, it's you know we are always. I am very grateful for anyone that ever confides in me and trusts uh, in me um, to uh, impart information like that. But uh, I, even you know, th- th- this was so shocking that they felt it needed to get out there. I'm sure. Um, but then I sat on it for some time. I knew that they were probably 100% correct, but they would obviously expect me to corroborate it and to check, given the gravity of it, which I did continue to make inquiries. And I eventually made a formal uh, query with uh, the GSOC press office. And I knew by the reaction that I got from the phone call um you know, I didn't get laughed at, for example. Uh, I knew that I was onto something. Um, uh, I would say that they expected the phone call and uh, they spent the entire day coming back to me <laughs> before they came back with a, a no comment. We don't comment on internal HR matters is the way that they phrased it. I kind of felt from that point on, 
our time was with the story was limited. It's five o'clock in the evening at this stage. And I thought, uh, I thought, right, I had it since about 10 a.m. So between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m., it had stayed quiet. No one knew about it. And as far as I was aware, no one else had rang the GSOC press office about it. So I, but, but I still felt the second I've done that, it it's only a matter of time. So uh, we sat on it, sat on it, and I I was getting maybe a little too overexcited and panicky. And you know yourself, Mick. I was ringing you and going, "What would you do? What would you do?" And you were like, "Fucking run it, run it online." <laughs> and, and I'm going to tell you why. One of the reasons I did fear, I I told you this. I did fear that it was going to emerge because yeah. look, I'm not. It's too big. It was too big to. No, no, I'm not casting aspersions at anybody you spoke to, but I'm just saying. There's a chain of command yeah. in any organisation. Yeah. And, you know, it's not going to be siloed, shall we say. But do you know what? I didn't tell you this. One of the reasons why I found if I get a stonker of a story on a Saturday, it doesn't get the purchase that it should. Yeah. I don't know why. Right. And I wanted this to get all the purchase. So I did advise you, but it was your decision. But look, I always just think. No, and you were you right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know, on a, on a Saturday, do you know when you've got stonkers on a Saturday and you're going, right, everybody's going to lift this. And it's not mentioned. Yeah, I was worried about that too. Yeah. So I had to, you know, I just, you, you, you hate and uh, to, to uh, literally the public do not care about this, but journalists get a little bit uh, protective of their s- stories. And I was obviously, you know, look privately quite proud and happy that I had been told that information that I had at first and felt it was a good exclusive. And uh, there is kind of a feeling that when you put something up online, everybody kind of just copies it then. And then everybody has the story and it kind of, looks like you know it it is but 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 you know no one really cares about that the general public don't care about that just us and our egos care about that (laughs) well 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 no there's there's professional courtesy and to be fair you know when the irish times lift my stories or i would get them whatever they do lally and gallagher to be fair to them they do with credit mentioned yes they do yeah yeah right i i was not talking about them but i was disappointed that some outlets didn't credit us for you. I, I thought that was poor form, but let them at it. It's, I'm, you know, I'm, you're right. It's, I'm not, this is inside baseball. Yeah, I'm not that precious about it. And I was grateful when RTE uh, uh, took our story that they did credit us. They did credit the Irish Mirror uh, with breaking the story. And, and thank you to Paul Reynolds for doing that. Um, having said that, once it's out in the ether, that that's it. It's it's uh, it's everybody's story, you know, and that's fine. I have to accept that. It's the, especially with the gravity of it. Um, anyway. That's enough about me being precious and my ego. <laughs> but, I, but but no, but I, let's just go back to this, Paul, because we, I, I said we wanted to speak about this. Just you, very few, as I said, very few journalists get the experience in this. What were your feelings? Not about, you know, getting the story when you had it. Let me give you an example, right? Many, many years ago, I, I got a, a big story. and It was actually, it was the real IRA admitting, admitting responsibility for the home bomb. Okay. Now, we got that say about 10 o'clock they rang they rang me in my office and, and blah 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 and they're right so we had that from 10 o'clock now this is in the old days it was 1998 and it blew up at five o'clock right now i'm not joking about this the switchboard lit up <laughs> it was one of those cliche yeah, yeah. things so and i was waiting for that to happen i knew it was going to be a big story and there have been maybe i don't know maybe seven or eight biggies like that since but just that like i had butterflies in the yeah story. i was a huge buzz yeah did you talk to me about what you felt? Yeah, it was a huge buzz. And um, yeah, I, I felt, okay, this is actually an important story. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it's, you, you know yourself. I think you've heard you say it. Like, yeah, it's it's a great thing. It's a great thing to be told things. It's an honor to to be among the first to know something. Um, uh, so, yeah, but I, I, I was kind of, I was pacing the floor all day, really kind of wondering when do we break it? Uh, when do we break it? And you don't want somebody else to have it. And then, you know, if someone else breaks it and you had it all day. So yeah, the heebie-jeebies, the butterfly feeling, uh, complete excitement. But I, I was, I was glad that we put it out when we did, um, you know, so well, it, 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 it just blew up. Like, did you, did you feel awkward? Awkward. Um, at the same, by that I mean, look, we're both egomaniacs, and there's no problem there. We've got a great welcome for ourselves. But this is a different level, right? Did you not? Because I know that I certainly do. When you know, when you're at the centre of it, do you not feel slightly awkward? Oh no, I love when all the attention's on me, Mick. I really do. Like I'm a total narcissist. Um, no, <laughs> no, I was completely yeah nervous about it, and yeah, it was a weird feeling, but um. I was glad, like, you know, because there are lots of days when you do this job and it's kind of box ticking and 
we've written our fair share of crap. Like, I mean, I'll be honest, <laughs> but I, I always, I stand over everything I write, but I mean, it's not always going to be Pulitzer prize winning or like or anywhere near, but, um, you know, you get the odd story that you're really proud of. And I was proud of this particular story and, and I thought it was an important story and it had all the elements that you want in a story. It has a bit of obviously Jerry Hutch, the biggest story of the week and has a bit of gangland, has a bit of scandal, has a bit of, civil servant uh stuff that people don't like it has it has had kind of everything but um i'm overall my overall sense it sounds a bit cliche but i just felt it was and that's why the source confided in me they, they obviously felt it was important and people needed to know it and so i did get that overwhelming feeling of why am i holding on to this people need to know this and they need to know it now well that's what news is all about that's what all of it that's what breaking news is all about. So I, I, it's the last thing I'll say on this. I, I, I always sort of, I regret downplaying big stories because you sort of have this sort of modesty and you go, I oh, know this, I oh, got lucky or whatever. So fucking just embrace it because it is something to be proud of. And it's not just sort of, you, you know what I mean? You're, you're sort of natural modesty, even though we are egomaniacs, it does come in. We go, oh, I got lucky in that or, oh, it fell into my lap. I, 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 I regret doing that. I have to say. I, I'm, I'm proud of it and I'm very happy with it yeah but I, I, I will be a little bit modest about it in that I, <laughs> um, I, I am happy to have been told it and, and honoured to have been told it you know and so yeah, every, I think every journalist feels that way when you get an important piece of information um, yeah it's like that's what you're in the job for you know exactly exactly right uh, is there anything else you want to say about it? Anything else you need to say about the story or the incident? No, uh, unless uh, it evolves further, which it may well do during the week, uh, we will leave it there, yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll move on now. There's a couple of things we want to talk about, the winners and the losers. But um, we did have questions and answers. and we, uh, we there are We've done one episode and our producer, Kieran Bradley, is lining up more. But somebody d- missed the deadline, which is outrageous, but I have it here. Just, I'll just read it out. If Jonathan Dowdall, it was a DM, so I can't say who it was. If Jonathan Dowdall had not turned state witness, was he accused of murder as opposed to conspiracy? So he was, he was accused of murder. If you remember, people will remember, he was originally charged with murder and then he pleaded guilty to facilitating a charge. He said, this man says, this person says, if so, what was the evidence that he was a hitman as against an accomplice? Well, there was no evidence that he was a hitman. The evidence was that he booked the room. And that, and that would have really would have been it. But I wonder, I was, I, was, I was talking with this person. I said, look, it's slightly different from, say, being the, they weren't the getaway drivers, but they, were, they, they drove away the team that used the getaway car and burned it out. So there was a sort of like second cousins I explained to him. Do you think if he had been charged with murder, if things had, hadn't gone the way they went with him, you know, becoming a state's witness, do you think there would have been enough to convict him of murder? I haven't thought about that. Um... It's a very good question. Thank you, questioner. Well, the tapes, you know, they were heavily scrutinized in this trial by Miss Justice Tara Burns. And, you know, in relation to Jerry Hutch, uh, who the case was against, you know, she had, there were arguments for um, potential guilt in relation to involvement overall, but there were also arguments against. Um, the, she did go out of her way to say that Jonathan Dowdall says a lot of incriminating terrible horrible things in the tape talks about having people whacked talks about blowing up trevor Byrne. um talks about making circuits and bombs i think if that evidence had been presented in his trial which it would have been he would have not come out of it very well it would have shown his character and uh, the the type of person that he was couple that then with the fact that he so openly and freely booked that room and then you're supposed to believe oh i didn't know who the room was for uh given his his involvement all the way along with patsy hutch and with the feud and his knowledge of the regency and he he's the one doing 99.9 percent of the talking on the tape yeah i think the case against him would have been very strong uh having said that there's the case against him wouldn't have been that he was the shooter no, no. It it would have been uh, what's that term you use? That common design. It would have been common design, but I think it probably would have been, given the the amount of criminality he talks about on those tapes, coupled with his involvement all the way along. Um, yeah, I think it would have been a pretty strong case against him. 
I have to agree. I think, and I said this to this person, look, it's not, there was no allegation that he was the hitman, but taking part in the conspiracy of the plot, I, I think, and I also wonder, look, obviously he pleaded guilty, right? I wonder, would there have been other evidence adduced against him if he fought it, if he fought the murder charge? We don't know, mm, right? We don't. Because, you know, he, is this, just remind me of this, because this, I was arguing with somebody last night about it. When did the guards first become aware of Jonathan Dowdall? When did they first start surveilling him, if you will? Shall we use that term? January 2016, before the Regency. Exactly. So that's an indicator for me that they were looking at him. Why were they mm-hmm. looking at him? They were looking at mm-hmm. him for inte- because of intelligence and possible evidence. So I wonder what else they had in their armory against him that mm-hmm. didn't need to be brought in because he pleaded guilty. Look, obviously, you know, Paul, if someone pleads guilty... There's there's a sort of sentencing hearing, but the the evidence really the narrative there's a narrative read out by the pro, the prosecuting or senior investigating guard who reads it out answers questions that the senior counsel will put to him to the judge so background and stuff but the hard evidence really isn't put in and I wonder what else they had I, I feel that if he hadn't done what he did I think it would have been a, a very bad time for him murder wise I think he would have been in serious bother. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah. So yes, so I think Dowdell would have been in trouble, and I think that may have uh, made him do what he did. Did you see? Uh, and look, you know, this is about our pod, but did you see? In the, the I sent you and, and Kieran the, a, a piece about in one of the Sunday papers talking about did Jonathan Dowdell effectively, basically saying what I said about the guardy had concerns about Dowdell. Mm-hmm. As a witness, mm-hmm. did you read it? I did. Yeah, I did. I it, was, it was it was from the great Debbie McCann, one of my most underrated crime reporters. Yeah. Really, is her and Maeve Sheen for me. Mm-hmm. They 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 never get the, the credit they deserve. But I thought it encomp- it encomp- encapsulated everything I'd been thinking. And my sources were telling me that, that from the start they were saying the same thing. So look, I know there's this mad the conspiracy about Jerry and he coming together. That's nonsense. But I do think there are serious questions about. Dowdall and his rationale for doing what that man saved himself and he was desperate particularly what we said in the last couple of minutes about the murder charge so I think the guardy who we speak to have legitimate fears that Dowdall took the piss basically yeah and you know they they initially early on and this was accepted by the judges they did not want to take down to Dowdall and what he had to say seriously they treated him with huge skepticism from 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 early on um what, there are legitimate questions about what changed and when. I suppose you've got somebody saying, I have evidence that's going to help you put Jerry Hutch away. And I mean, you really can't blame them in that regard. We're going to have to talk to him. But the second they did talk to him, did they damage their case? Because they already had him charged with murder. They were already going to trial. Um, but the second they decided to accept his evidence, the entire case changed and the case now had to be Jerry Hutch is one of the two shooters. Um, I think it's, I think it's fair. We asked this question on the previous pod, did that damage the case? I still think the evidence on the tapes didn't find Jerry Hutch guilty of murder. Um, and, and maybe overall it still wouldn't have been a particularly strong case, but Jonathan Dowdall was a hugely, hugely damaging force for the case overall. You couldn't believe a single word he said, and everything he said only cast everything into further doubt, because you, you you were left wondering, well, what the hell can we believe? Um, so it definitely weakened the yeah, case for me. It did. I have to say. Yeah. But look, you know, as we said, we weren't privy to the the round tables and the decision by the DPP and the and the, the her the, her thought process. Well, I, I, I that's why I'm thinking that just that this is off the cuff thinking this, but I, I you. Can you blame them that in the end they had to talk to this guy? Because, I mean, he told them, I have information that's, you know, crucial to your case. And he was telling them that this fella confessed. I'm sure they still treated that with huge skepticism. Did they, we don't even know, did they try to corroborate his claims beyond the phone evidence? Did they look for CCTV in the park? It was probably too late, was it? Seven years, six, seven years later? Just Did they even bother we don't know but it is i mean most cctv yeah it would be months 
and sometimes weeks that it's kept for. And say even traffic cameras, you know, because that's we were up at Edison on the M1. But those tra- man, those traffic cameras, they don't they don't really record. It's it's more live monitoring. But look, obviously, and even then, 2006, like a lot of people have CCTV. They're much more affordable now. A lot of people have ring doorbells and on CCTV doorbell, video doorbells and stuff. So you'd wonder, and we were at the scene, it's quite it's quite a, a wide area. There are houses, you know, there are plenty of houses. So maybe, I I, I don't know, but I, I, I'd say it was very unlikely. And even, you know, mobile phone data, because they, at back, and without going down the Dwyer route, they could have gone back two years. So that, you know, if he came forward in 2021, even then they probably couldn't. That would only be 19, 20, 2019. So, you know, the media and all those companies don't keep them for that length of time. So, look, but it, look, they obviously, as that senior counsel said to me, if some fella comes along and said, Jerry Hunt's told me X, how can they ignore it? You're right. But, it, but you know, it clearly weakened the case. It muddied the waters and it made them go far too specific. Yeah, oh, it massively muddied the waters. Yeah. Yeah, and it ca- it cast doubt over the the entire case. Yeah, was 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 it a conspiracy though? Was that all by grand design? Um, I definitely think he was out to protect himself, but but I I, I think that that's where that ends. That conspiracy ends. A hundred percent. I don't get for a second that he and Jerry Hutch in their in Wheatfield said, "Listen, don't all you go in there. You say this, this, and this. No problem, boss. Nonsense." But I do think that he. Well, it, it was said he was not being truthful. It was said he is a liar and he was out to protect himself. And I think, just talking about this here, I think there was much, I, I don't think it's unfair to say it was probably, there was probably more evidence to sustain a murder conviction against him than than Jerry Hutch. Even when he was saying, talking about bonds and everything, you know, the, the, as you see, you know, the, the Miss Justice Tara Burns could have picked that all together. Before I go on to this, just one final question. There was a story in the papers over the weekend about uh, they seek him here, here, they seek him there, that uh, Daniel Kennan is supposed to be in Iran. Now, I'm going to tell you, before you go, I, my view on this, is, as it's been the whole time, We, I heard that in January, I think I heard that he'd gone. Then we heard that he'd stayed. I heard that he was going between Jordan, Qatar, UAE, everywhere, right? I just think people don't know. Yeah, I, th- I, mean, I, I think, think you're right, I, I, and I'm not casting any doubt on your sources. Certainly, I'm sure you. I I know that you have good sources. Don't try to sound condescending. I mean, people have told me he hasn't gone anywhere, you know. But that that doesn't. Yeah, sure, but I've, yeah, I've been told the same. You don't know, you know, unless we're actually physically seeing him there. We don't know. You're right. No. That's it. Okay, shall we talk about winners and losers? Yeah, I think. Well, I, I think in talking and answering the questions there about Jonathan Dowdall. Um, I think you should probably start with him. What do you think? Because I think we've almost nearly answered that question already as to whether he's a winner or a loser. Yes. So the format I've decided just now. Oh, go on. I'm Sorry, get... yes. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll talk <laughs> about Dowd, all right? Yeah. No, no, no. It's fine because it only came to me. We're... I'm going to give you a name and then we can decide if they're winners or losers. Okay. Okay. Go so, oh, right. Jonathan Dowdall. <laughs> I'll go. I think he's a winner. Yeah, I think he's a winner. Yeah, I think he's a winner. Yeah. That man was facing at least 20 years behind bars. And I do think he had a greater chance of being convicted of murder. So he did what he had to do. Now, I think you and I would both be happy that he hasn't been admitted at this stage into the witness security programme. People were telling me, no, I might be wrong, they might be wrong, that there's a possibility that he won't be accepted into it, which would be calamitous for him. Uh, and And... I did speak to one person. He said, no, he doesn't. But others said, oh, look, there's a duty of care. And just say he gets whacked walking down the road or whatever. That's fine, right? But I, I, I think overall, he's in a better position now than he was in 2020 when he was charged. When yeah, than when he was charged. Yeah, I, like I, I did say this in the previous pod. There are still, he still has a lot of problems in his future. I mean, he, he's going to spend the rest of his life looking over his shoulder. Um, his life is under threat from God knows who. <laughs> I mean, you've got Kinahans for starters, and there would be people on the Hutch side who certainly wouldn't be his friend anytime soon. And then even in relation to things that he said in relation to Republicans, um, people in the dis- in the world of dissidents are not going to be his friends either. So yeah, uh, he's a loser in that regard. But in terms of bettering his situation, oh yeah, he- he's massively won in that regard. and. If he is admitted to the witness protection program, 
That's a huge win. He'll go abroad and he can. And Mistress Tara Byrne said this. She had no doubt that he would be able to start a new life for himself. And he said that he would do that and he'd done it before and he will rebuild his life. If he gets to go abroad and live under a different name, um, that's a massive, massive win for him. Yeah, because he was facing the prospect of the rest of his life behind bars. If he is rejected in that program, then he's in real doo-doo. But I think what you said, you made that point there that, that a source of yours said, does a Judy care and what if he gets whacked? Can you imagine the scandal that would emerge if he if he was not granted protection and then he was murdered? Um, I think people would just turn uh, and, and unfairly so uh, on the guards and say, you knew this would happen. Um, so there's there's a lot of play there. I, I think that's why he probably will get the witness protection. I, I, I thought that was a persuasive argument, the source I was talking to. And it, it has made me change my view on that. I, I, I think it is more likely now that, yeah, look, because of that, but not, I mean, but the other person did say, and I did see in, in Debbie's piece, they said the same thing, you know, reputationally, are we okay? Or is the state or the Garda Sheikhala, you know, they're uncomfortable with sending a water border abroad so that I think that was weighing on what my source was telling me about why they think they won't get it because that's a very big thing that and that's really heavy heavy criminality and you know he is a liar and that sort of stuff so will he damage any international relations that the guards have so for me it's not automatic but I'm veering towards now because of the duty of it probably will but I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if it didn't happen but in spite of him being in a better position he is a bit of an idiot I mean like he, he got a four-year sentence I mean he'll be out in two and a half three max um he's done very well for himself yet he's appealing that sentence uh it just shows you it's a bit about uh, his character and what he's like and what, it, that, that it's always a kind of a sense of entitlement and trying to trying to do better even when you've already done incredibly well for yourself i'm told from the second he went into prison he was looking for ways to get out of it that is kind of the way he seems to have lived his entire life trying to get out of a bad situation um that that's the way that he operates it's extraordinary that he's appealing his sentence quite frankly but yeah overall when you look at it we're saying winner on that one yeah okay so i have a list of of winners here uh number one jerry hutch yeah obviously jerry hutch is a huge winner uh like <sighs> i think anyone as i said who looked at the case would have said that a not guilty verdict was the the right conclusion and i'm sure that when he was sitting there and he was listening to the judgment, he felt confident that he was going to be acquitted. Um, having said that, there was still a sense of shock when it actually happened. Um, you have to look at it from, from uh, this point of view, that the level of effort that went into getting him back here. I mean, he had started a new life abroad. I don't think he intended to return. His life was under threat. Um and he had even gone so far as to try and alter his uh, appearance a little bit because of all of that. Um, and then he was dragged back here, flown flown back here uh, in the late evening on a military aircraft. And I'd say at that point in his life, he probably felt they've gone to this level of effort to get me. I won't see freedom ever again. And I'd say he probably spent that year of his life uh begin to build his case and and he read he got to read the book of evidence when he landed i mean and when he went through that he would have known the case against him and maybe he felt a bit more confident then i don't know but um there was probably a sense because you could see the way he fought it at every level to try not to get into the special special criminal court there was probably a sense if that's where it ends up i'm going to be convicted because as we talked about before statistically that's just the case and there is a feeling among many, and certainly within people in the criminal underworld, that if you're going to the special criminal court, it's a kangaroo court and you're fucked. Well, that has been disproven. Uh, they The judges did, did look at the facts and they found him not guilty. So I, I think for a long period of time, he probably thought he was goosed. He probably thought he was in real trouble. He probably thought that they would never let him walk out the doors uh, and see freedom again. And And it's evident by his, I think, his behavior since he's been released that he seems to just be sort of enjoying life and has gone back to um, the North Dublin area where he resided prior to the Kenna and Hutch feud occurring. Uh, and he's cut a very relaxed figure. I think he's just enjoying that freedom and that win that he has re maybe unexpectedly received when you look at it as a whole. And then in terms of the Kenna and Hutch feud, 
you know, he has survived all this time in spite of being a massive target. Um, that's not to say he's out of the woods. I mean, he certainly still is under a serious, serious threat, as are members of his family. So in that regard, I don't want to say he's a loser, but in that regard, he's got challenges ahead of him. But uh, yeah, like, like overall, I mean, he can probably sail off into the sunset now if he's smart, which we know that he is. Um so yeah, huge winner. And another reason why I think he's a winner, and I mentioned this in the last pod, and there was some media coverage about this over the weekend. The other investigation into him, this we know that he was arrested on suspicion of directing a, a crime gang that was just before he went on trial. That was in late September 2022. Now, I, I've said this. I think this victory significantly diminishes the chances of the DPP proffering a charge and that. I'm not going to say it's impossible. We don't know the evidence. We don't know what technical evidence or whatever they have. But I just think, you know, it's all about the DPP would sometimes not charge for the public interest, uh, which is a nebulous sort of phrase. But really, you know, I'm taking from this, the bar has gone up several notches for that case. And I think they'll have to be sure, 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 sure. So... I think it's more likely than not that he won't be charged over that. So that's yeah. a double win for him. I don't want to, and, and I know you're not either, Mick, but I just want to raise this point in case anyone accuses of it. I don't want to minimize the loss, the personal loss that obviously Jerry Hutch has had over the years. He did lose his brother three days after the Regency. He was murdered. He did lose his, his nephew, Gary. He lost his nephew, Derek, and he lost uh, his nephew, Gareth. He lost uh, two associates and friends in this feud. 18 people were murdered in total. Uh, he spent the last seven years looking over his shoulder. He avoided uh, being murdered himself in Lanzarote. Um, and he will continue to be under threat. So in that regard, he, he has a difficult life. And those around him, those that continue to associate with him, will also be looking over their shoulders. Um, so that's, we're, 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 not minimi- we're not minimizing that level. But in terms of the case against him and potential future cases against him, yeah, he's huge huge victory definitely no no that that's very important context but he has come out of this much better than anybody oh, yeah. would have expected i thought okay here, here's another name for you i think this this person is a winner patrick hutch patrick hutch jr well yeah i mean i i think the case against patrick hutch jr was was very strong in regards to the evidence that was that he was alleged to have been the uh gunman in drag wearing the blonde hair because the case that was against him, there were two senior investigators who identified him as being Patrick Hutch. And if that evidence had been accepted by the judges at the time, he was going down without question. And then in the in the Jerry Hutch trial, again, all of that evidence came up um, and the search at the home and Champions Avenue and the ACT cards, etc. And just given that he was the brother of Gary Hutch, who was murdered the, the, and, and the context to all of it, I, I think he was he was facing a very serious, serious case. And potentially, I think it's fair for me to say this, Mick, tell me if not, but I think out of all of the persons that have been charged in relation to this, he was facing the most uh, cohesive case. He was facing the most straightforward case and had the very tragic death of Colin Fox not occurred the case would have continued. It would. We don't know what would have happened. Perhaps he would have been acquitted. Perhaps the evidence wouldn't would have, wouldn't have been accepted. It's important to state that. But I think in terms of because I throughout the the Jerry Hutch trial, you were wondering what is the evidence against him, and there's lots of tangential, circumstantial sort of stuff, and there's circumstantial in relation to Patrick Hutch Jr. as well. But I still think overall it was a very cohesive. Uh, more straightforward case against him and he was in serious, serious trouble. But once that case collapsed, I think there was an acceptance at the time that it was highly unlikely that he would ever uh, face uh, any court again in relation to this. I still think that's the case. I think that his uncle now being acquitted also strengthens that argument that they're not going to put Patrick Hutch Jr. in a courtroom anytime soon unless they have other evidence unless it's a different charge. But I would be shocked, stunned, really, if uh, he's among the first uh, to be looked at in relation to future charges. So I think a huge, uh, it's a huge, he's a huge winner in this, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, and my point was that, look, 
obviously it was an Nolly Prosecco, yes. which means it's shelved rather than the case was you know, that had been done and been acquitted. Yes. It was effectively acquitted, but it was still technically it could be re-entered. And I just think the outcome of this trial and everything about Dodo has made that made that much less likely. It was unlikely. It's much less likely. So for me, he's he's a, a winner from this. Okay, here's another one. Here's another doozy for you. Brendan Graham. <laughs> Oh, well, it goes without saying. I think it's a massive victory for Brendan Graham. Yes. Uh, uh, how many people walk free, really, when they're accused of murder? We should probably get that statistic. But um, I just think, yeah, uh, for his persona and for his, uh, um, you know, uh, bona fides, yes, uh, huge victory for him. Um, and uh, like he has done many high profile cases before this, but I think he, he's, everyone now knows his name. Yes. So. Um, if you do find yourself needing legal representation, I'd say there's a lot of people uh, looking for Mr. Graham now. Yeah, that was my point. I can imagine uh, people in Dudu all across the country about to be charged and they're worth this. So the way it works, the solicitor has to engage a barrister, obviously, and you can just imagine all these fellas going, get me, Brendan Graham. So I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think you'll have any problems with work for a while. Here's another one for you. The Special Criminal Court. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't go on about this because I kind of covered this already, but yes. Uh, as I pointed out before, uh, lots of people th think it's kangaroo court and you're going before the special, that's it, you're, you're fucked, you're going to be convicted no matter what. Well, the judges looked at the evidence, there was no evidence to convict him of the charge of murder, so he walked free. They said they lived in the real world, that they're not, you know, in some plane higher above everybody else. They're real people, they look at the facts. And her, Miss Char Justice Harburn's case, was, uh, judgment was very simple, plain language for anyone to understand that when you look at the bare facts, there was no case there. This was a huge win for the Special Criminal Court. Uh, and and I, I think it would have damaged the reputation of the court had he been convicted of murder. People would have always criticised it and pointed out this case. How could you have convicted Jerry Hutch of murder based off that evidence? Well, they didn't. So I think a huge win for the Special Criminal Court and for the legitimacy of that court. Yes. Okay, so uh, I think it's fair to say, and we'll have no argument about this in relation to losers, there is no question for me that the Guard Force and the state are losers in this case. <sighs> I, I think, and you're not saying this, I know, but we just want to make the point that this is no criticism of the guards overall who investigated this case, which was the, probably the biggest in the history of the state. The level of manpower and hours and months and years that went into it, clearly it was thoroughly, thoroughly investigated. But it was all collated and put together um, and it was presented to the DPP. That is where the problems began. We don't know, we still don't know whether they wanted to charge Sherry Hutch with other offences. And it was the DPP that ultimately made the decision, no, just a murder charge. Um, I think there are huge questions now over how that was handled. And that might have to be investigated or looked into as to how was that decision made and why was that decision made? Um, so, yeah, but I, I'd say that there were a lot of guards coming out of the courtroom there last Monday, uh, very naturally, obviously upset um, because the, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for any one particular investigator, but there, there, I think there is an overall sense of um, disappointment in the way that the case was handled. Is that fair to say? If they're, that's their view. But what I will say in the term of losers, I have no doubt this was a setback for the guards and a setback for the state, at the very least. Now we can, look, Paul, I mean, we've said this all the time, we are not in the inner circle. We do not see the legal advice and we have to respect that they make their decisions and the guards have their strategies. What I'm saying is, this is undoubtedly a setback for the state and for the guard investigation. And I also think, just on a tangential point, I consider the National Surveillance Unit are losers in this. And I'll tell you why. They are, you, you know, when I started in this game, the National Surveillance Unit, the guards didn't even acknowledge that they existed, okay? When we say hush-hush, we mean hush-hush, right? Very, very secretive group. So, and they work on intelligence and an awful lot of the, what they do is in the shadows by its very nature and by, you know, by their very necessity. A lot of their, you know, it must be very uncomfortable for it to be laid bare in open sunlight, their trade craft, things they did. So everything. So, you know, what guards call gougers, they do observe things, they do watch things. So, you know, I think it's been 
a bad experience for them. It's a, perhaps been a bruising experience for them to have their all the sunlight shone on what they. Yes, did. and it was determined that uh, the surveillance that went on in the north was illegal. So I think there will be legitimate questions about how they conduct that type of surveillance in the future as well. Uh, okay, it was entered into evidence, but uh, and it was determined that they acted in good faith. However, they did act illegally. So, you know, yeah, I, it, it probably wasn't comfortable for that to emerge. Okay, I put it to you. Let's pretend we're in a Guardian interview room. I put it to you that Patsy <laughs> Hutch is a loser from this. Well, you know, up until this point, he was a winner because the guards had all of this evidence in relation to Patsy Hutch, and yet he had not been charged with any criminal offence. And he was walking the streets of Dublin, in fact, last week, still walking the streets of Dublin without a care in the world. Um, he has 24-hour surveillance on his home. Now, that's because of a legitimate threat against his life. But um, he's constantly watched and monitored at taxpayers' expense. Um, so up, and, up, until, up, until last, uh, up until this case, really, uh, he, I think he was fine. Um, I think, though, now legitimate questions have been asked about his involvement in the Regency and the movement of the firearms, and you would have to conclude that he would be uh, under investigation at this point um, and, and, and that he has serious, serious questions to answer. So, yes. That's like, I mean, what the, the judge said, what did the judge say at the top line about Patsy Hutch, that he was effectively, there are suspicions he was effectively in control of it? That he was in control of the firearms and that he... Uh, that he possibly organised the entire Regency uh, thing in the first place. Yeah. I, so when an esteemed judge says that about you, and it's down in black and white, anyone could, would consider that a bad day. Oh yeah, massively, massively so. But I, I, I still think, I still think that that question that we've raised about his son and the possibility of him facing future is 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 a legitimate one to ask in relation to him. Are they only going to try Patsy Hutch? on the basis of the evidence that we've heard in the case of Jared Hutch, or are they going to take a, are the guards going to kind of go back now to day one and begin to build their case and potentially bring in other evidence that we have not heard? Is it, or is it simply just going to be the evidence that we've heard in this trial? Um, I don't know if they can just do that because this case has come under so much scrutiny. So I, I don't foresee like I don't think I might eat my own words, but I don't see uh, Patsy Hutch being arrested next week, and you know this investigation suddenly ramping up. And um, I think they're going to take their time with it. Oh, oh absolutely! I, I, you know, something has just come into my head. No idea, but these things happen. I wonder would would the cold case review team or the serious crime review team, what we call the cold case team, I wonder would they be called in to have a look at it, bring fresh eyes? Because that's you know after a certain amount of time that does happen. That could be possible. Interesting, yeah. Okay, so now I, I'm not going to say these people are losers, but it's in the negative because uh, they don't want to disrespect them because they've they've lost their son. I don't. I think it's been a bad experience. The whole thing has been a bad experience for the Burnham family. I mean, they lost their son. They've seen acquittals. So yeah, the, you know what I'm saying. It, this was obviously hugely important to the Burn family. They sat in the trial every single day and. They were extremely angry to the point of protest uh, at what happened with Patrick Hutch Jr. I can recall that. I remember them screaming and shouting at the top of their lungs, uh, no justice for David Byrne. Um, and they were very upset at that point in time. And I think their general feeling was that uh, that everybody and everything was against them, that the media were against them, that the state was against them, the guards were against them, and they were never going to get justice. To a certain extent, they did get justice. Uh, in that Jonathan Dowdall, Patrick Dowdall, Paul Murphy and Jason Bonney have all received convictions, have all been uh, found guilty of involvement uh, overall in what happened to their son. But nobody has been convicted of the murder. But nobody has been convicted of the murder. And, uh, you know, look, they have long blamed the Hutches in relation to that. And there is nobody with the surname Hutch convicted for this crime and so i and i recall their reaction when jerry hutch was acquitted they weren't long leaving the courtroom they were very annoyed they didn't want to speak uh they were very very upset uh with that particular uh decision so i i think in their mind uh they felt that jerry hutch was guilty and so they were very very upset so yes 
um yes overall they're 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 in a in a bad situation at the moment and i'd say very very distraught well that does for today that's been a long it's been a good pod but it's been a long pod it has yes thanks very much for listening to us and um we'll continue to do pods in the future they won't always be about jerry hutch but we have many other things that we'd like to talk about um so we'll see how the week progresses uh, and uh, thanks very much yeah, and, and just before you go, Kieran, our producer who knows everything about everything and tells us what to do, is talking about, you know, widening the focus of it, doing a bit of international crime as well. So lads or lads and lassies, whatever you think would be interested if you want us to do pods about it, it doesn't have to be in Ireland, it could be anything at all. Send us your suggestions, yeah. Send us your suggestions yeah. and we will set up a wee list. Okay, thanks everybody. Thank you.